All right, this is Brent Jensen, and you're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. I didn't know this was called No Sleep Till Sudbury. It is called No Sleep Till Sudbury, sir. Why didn't you tell me? Why did I have to tell you? All right, right. fair enough. Do you want me to change the title? No, no, keep it the same. For tonight's show, we can call it something else if you want. I haven't read No Sleep Till Sudbury. What? I haven't. That's not right, Leftover people. And? 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 All my favorite people. Good. All right. And not No Sleep Till Sudbury? No. Okay. I'm not going to hold that against you. We're going to continue with the show. <laughs> God love you. Okay. I'm going to introduce you now. Okay. You okay with that? Yeah, man. <laughs> All right. Tonight, we are joined by none other than my neighbor, Mr. Johnny Belton. John has a reputation in our neighborhood as being a bit of a troublemaker, let's say. Really? <laughs> a bit of a badass. In your mind? Or the... On our street. On everybody, everybody talks about the fact that you're a bit of a badass. No. <laughs> you don't think so? Including my wife? Or... Yeah, well, I didn't want to say anything, but maybe. <laughs> All right. You don't need an introduction, so let's just get into it. All right. All right. Tell me I'm something good. before we get started. All right. Were or were you not the mayor of Oshawa at any point (laughs) (laughs) because I, I believe that you were at some point. Um, the honorary mayor. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The actual mayor. No. Okay. No. The honorary, um, which is just as relevant and important as being the, do you remember Ed Broadbent? I do. He was the NDP. Was (laughs) he he NDP? He was the leader of the NDP. I do remember him. And his writing was in the schwa. Oh, is that right? I didn't know that. So he represented the schwa. Okay. So uh, it was after some federal election. Right. And he's at his home riding in the schwa. Okay. And I'm with my high school buddies. Okay. And we're drunk. Oh, no. And we just happen to be at the reception or whatever after he wins his riding in the schwa. Right. Somehow, miraculously, we get to the mic. Oh. And we get to introduce him when he comes into the hall. How did that happen? That would only happen in Oshawa, by the way. Right? Of course. And it did. <laughs> okay. So I wasn't even voting age. So how did you introduce him? Ed, Ed, Ed. Come on. Ed, Ed. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Did you shake your hand? No. <laughs> was, was he embarrassed? Probably. <laughs> I was. <laughs> I'm sure you were. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get on with it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, yeah. you have brought uh, a list of songs for us, mm-hmm. and uh, I've had a look at it. All right. I like it. Yeah. So, the first one is The Party by Max Webster. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. Oh, the Dirty Schwa. <laughs> <laughs> we should explain, right? Yes, we should. Okay. So, Oshawa, Ontario. Yes. Located in southern Ontario. Yep. Oshawa has a reputation. Detroit. It, Oshawa. The yeah. Parallel. Yeah. Because as we said before, and we were having a conversation previous to the show, about the fact that Oshawa had everything yes. at one point. And it was, it was, it almost, it was on the same parallel as Detroit. Yep. Motor city. Big motor cities. Auto manufacturer. Not so glamorous now. No. Oshawa, <laughs> by comparison, would have been the pimple on the ass of Detroit. That's right. <laughs> we had to compare right now, right? It's true. Two big motor cities. Yes. Detroit, big, cosmopolitan, yep. huge. Oshawa, small. Yeah. In every way. Yeah. Small minded. <laughs> right? Careful. <laughs> but nonetheless, my hometown, right? Yes. Yeah. See, you can talk like that because you're from there. Yeah. You're a schwa boy. Okay. So back to Max Webster, though. Yes. Jubilee, South Schwa. Okay. 
one of the classic hotspots of music in in South Oshawa. Okay. Many bands have darkened the door of the Jubilee. Right. What year is this now? Oh, God. So by the time I would have got to the Jube, we would have been 84, <laughs> 85. She should call it the Jube. The Jube. <laughs> Johnny and I have had a couple of drinks. Yeah. I can't lie. Yeah. Okay, the Jube. The Jube. <laughs> but Max Webster done by then right, right? right max webster broke up 80 81 yeah yeah i think so so 81, 82. so max webster first right. band it would have been the equivalent for me the band that i would have like had a tattoo put on my skin really max wow so first band that i would have been all in okay. max webster okay yeah great band great band Love them. i was a young man I was completely into them, 100%. So for me, right, um, uh, High Class and Board Shoes, Mini at My Sleeve, Million Vacations. Those were the three albums that I was just like insane for. And so The Party, was there like, is is that kind of the representative tune? There is. And it's a connection to another song that will come up. Okay, so question for you. When I sent you my list, another band Mm -hmm. was Frank Zappa. Yes. And I had a choice. And there was two choices, right? Yes, yeah. Jewish princess or Catholic girls? No, it was Jewish oh, princess or, or why does, why it, does hurt it hurt when, when I, I pee? pee? Thank you. Yes. Yeah, you're right. And I selected why does it hurt when I pee? All right. Okay. <laughs> so what's the what's the tie-in there? Okay. So for this one song, the party. Right. When I was listening to Zappa, I thought, huh, this is a strange kind of echo back to this song. Yeah, I get that. Where it was a bit of a circus, right? Yeah. There's commentary in it. Yep. It's almost like early rock rap. Yep. In a way. Yeah. So um, not to sort of go off on a huge tangent, but for me, this song is representative of two things. My later love for Zappa. Okay. And the fact that this tune in and of itself, right, is for me classic. Okay. Yeah. It's just yeah, it was it was so unique. Yeah. Right? Kim Mitchell and Max Webster kind of remind me of being a kid and and in, in Canada. Yeah. You know, watching the C B C I don't know why that is, but I just I think that we were just inundated with Max Webster music. There was a band in my high school that played nothing but Max Webster. Mm-hmm. You know, they had those assemblies. Yeah. And the the band, there was only one band in my town, right? Yeah. And so they would always go up and play Logger Nail and they would play the party. Uh, Max Webster. Yeah. You know, it's funny, right? So uh, I came up behind Max Webster. Okay. So by the time I was into Max Webster, they were disbanded. Yep. I was still listening to their music. It was through my siblings, right? Yeah. That I got to know about Max Webster. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but I was solidly in the pocket for many years, right? Even, you know, by the time I was heading into the 90s, I was still listening. Well, Kim Mitchell then. Max Webster was interesting, right? Because they were always riding in sort of the shadow of Rush. Yeah, Two bands that were aligned very closely. They were close friends. Yeah. Rush, superstardom, Max Webster, not so much. Kim Mitchell did a tune with Rush or Getty Lee. Battlescar. Battlescar, that's right. Yeah. So what's the story behind that? Um, So in Kim Mitchell's first EP that he produces after the disbanding of Max Webster, Mm -hmm. I think it was just entitled Kim Mitchell. Okay. um, Battlescar was one of the tunes off of that album. So strange. And if you listen to it, it is amazing if you're into drums, of course, right? Because they have two drum sets. Yeah. So it would have been 
Pai de Bois. Okay. And Neil Peart. No way. Yeah, together. Really? Wow. Yeah, I, I, I totally remember that song. Yeah. And I hear, I remember um, Kim Mitchell and Getty Lee just wailing. Yes, yeah. In that one part, they yeah. both scream at the same time. Very cool. So yeah, that for me, that's a good pick because Max Webster is my anchor, I mm-hmm. suppose, for mm-hmm. music. Independently. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Self-selected. How about Misery by Soul Asylum? That's your next tune. Tell me about that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Off the album, Let Your Dim Light Shine. Mm-hmm. What year is that? Is that 92, I think? 93? Yeah, you'd probably know better than I would. Runaway Train was on that record, I think, right? Uh, no. In fact, I think Runaway Train was a self-titled album, right? Was it? I think was it, it was. the first record? Yeah. Okay. And then, so Let Your Dim Light Shine came out after that. Okay. Uh, yeah, good record. There's one song on there, Caged Rat. I don't know if you've ever heard that one. I don't know a lot about that. I The only thing I know about Soul Asylum, I remember, you know, Runaway Train was a tune that was out and it was like super catchy. And I was just learning how to play guitar yeah. at the time. So I drove my roommates nuts with that over and over and over and over again. Yeah. So this goes back to uh, the conversation we were having before we turned on the mics, right? Yeah. First marriage. Yes. You're in it, but you're not. Yeah. You're struggling. Okay. And a song comes and you listen to it. Yeah. You know, they say misery. Yeah. Love's company. Right? Ah. And immediately I thought, oh man, I can identify with this. Right? Mm-hmm. Not in a negative way. We were talking about that, right? Yes. If I had the choice to do it all over again, my first marriage, yep. I would do it. Okay. Because I learned so much. Mm-hmm. But when you listen to that tune, it just... It just sort of framed yeah. how I was feeling. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. Other than the fact that I just love the album itself, right? There's yeah. a lot of great tunes on it. Yep. But that song itself yep. is, for me, how to put it, it's um, representative. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And I see on your list you also have a Springsteen tune next called 10th Avenue Freeze Out, yeah, which a I little love. A tune by the boss, right? Obviously, he's got, you know, a plethora of hits. Yeah. But for Springsteen and for a lot of other guys, Bowie and everybody else, I like the, the deeper cuts. Yep. And 10th Avenue Freeze Out is almost like uh, Meeting Across the River. Yep. You know, one of those tunes. That yep. is just fantastic. It kind of gets glossed over, yep. but I think it's one of his best tunes. I think it's one of their best tunes for sure. Yeah. And for me, it's the redheaded stepchild almost of their totally. anthology. Absolutely. It, okay, so um, I think I went to the Born in the USA tour uh, when in I came to 84. Toronto at the Exhibition Stadium. Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, 84, Exhibition Stadium, Summertime. And they played it. Did they play 10th Avenue Freeze? I don't know. Maybe mm. in my fantasy they did. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. But it is. It's funny, right? Because uh, it was always a strange song to me, right? Because it was... I didn't understand it. When I first heard the song, I thought, what does this mean, right? Right. I got portions of it. The big man joined the band. Yeah, I knew that was Clarence Clemens yeah. and that sort of thing. Very cool. So I remember years ago in realizing that E Street and 10th was a crossroad. Right. Where they grew up. Yeah. So 10th Avenue, Freeze Out, which Springsteen I, apparently says, I don't even know what Freeze Out means. Okay. But it just represents that this song came from a coordinate, which was E Street and 10th Avenue. Oh, really? Eh? Yeah. I didn't in New Jersey. I didn't know that. Yeah. I've always loved that song. Yeah. Me too. And, it, you know, it's a, it's a song 
about struggle, right? Yeah. And grinding it out. Yes, as a lot of Springsteen tunes are. Yeah, not many yeah. people do it better than the boss when yeah, it comes to those types of tunes. Kind of. Uh, so I read something interesting. What's that? Okay, so, and it was connected to this song. Okay. And it was uh, when Clarence Clemens yeah. um, was first introduced, literally, to Springsteen. Okay. He was walking down uh, E Street, I guess, as they call it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the address would have been. Right. But... His first introduction was on a very, very wintry, stormy, blowy night okay. where Clemens was walking into a bar or a pub where he knew Springsteen was and he was supposed to meet him. Mm-hmm. And as he was opening the door, howl of wind came, blew the door open, smashed it against the, the wall. Right. And this is what Springsteen was seeing. And he emerges through the door. Wow. Yeah. There you go. Wow. I remember seeing them in uh, Memphis at a place called the Pyramid that literally was an arena that was a pyramid. Uh-huh. And so I had never seen a Springsteen concert before, and it's an event. I mean, it's almost like a religious mm-hmm. experience, right? Because they treat it as such. It, it, really. And it, this was my first you know, foray into into the this stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was no opener. Springsteen, as you know, plays for like four or five hours a night. So, you know, the lights go down and people are just losing their minds. And one by one, the E Street Band comes on, almost in order of popularity, yeah. right? So at the end, you know, the big man, Clemens, comes on and you know who's coming next. And it's yeah. like, the, I thought the place was going to implode. The seams were going to burst. It was incredible. Nice. Yeah. And I believe they opened up with 10th Avenue Freeze. Oh. Yeah. See? Just a a fantastic night. And you remember that, whereas I don't quite remember. (laughs) But hey, I was really high at that concert, too. That's uh, that's the Oshawa in you. Thank you. (laughs) You can take the boy out of the schwa. That's right. Yeah. All right, so the next tune that you've mm-hmm. got here is Train in Vain. Oh, come by on. The Clash. Awesome pick. Yeah. yeah. Who doesn't like that song? Yeah. For the longest time, I didn't know what the name of that song was because I don't believe they say Train in Vain in the song, do they? Um, no. So there's a lyric. So alone I keep the wolves at bay. Okay. Or there's only one thing I can say. Mm-hmm. Did you stand by me? Mm-hmm. It's situational. We didn't talk about this earlier, but uh, I had a high school sweetheart. Okay. So... We were solid. Yep. Last two years of high school. Okay. When I became a big man. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. And uh, we went on to, when I was living in that sweet pad in Toronto in the beach. Yes. We moved in together. Okay. She had finished school. And it was funny, right? Because not that I thought that we were going to be together forever, but she was the one that kind of said it's done. And it's the funny things that happen in your mind after that, right? Right. And the things you deal with after that kind of stuff happens. Yeah. So it would have been the end of a relationship, mm-hmm. and it would have been a song like that that comes up, yeah. and you think, oh, yeah, I can make a connection between those two things, right? I did that a lot when I was in high school. You know, I, I, songs were almost like commemorative tokens yeah. of, you know, relationships that I had or situations that I was going through, and I think a lot of people do that, obviously, through music, but, you know, it's funny because as you go through your life, you hear those songs, and obviously they bring you back to those situations. And yeah, that's one thing that's really special about music for me is that you you, know, you think about times like that in your life where you had difficulties or you had successes, whatever, and you always, I did anyway, I always kind of embedded those things in music and songs. And that's one of the reasons why music is so special to me. 
So your next tune is a little ditty by Frank Zappa huh. called Why Does It Hurt When I Pee? <laughs> so explain yourself, John. <laughs> okay, well, I'll turn the question back. So why did you pick uh, Why Does It Hurt uh, When I Pee over uh, Jewish Princess? <laughs> it was a really tough decision. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know a lot about Frank Zappa. I, um, I, I, I don't either. But Really? Well, he was an amazing vocalist. I don't know very many other artists who can match his vocals. Really? Yeah. I don't and know. Why Does It Hurt When I Pee is a classic <laughs> example of just how profound this guy was as a vocalist, right? Really? Yeah. And and in what sense? Like, it, can he, does he sing in multiple ranges or? He sings in multiple ranges. He's almost operatic. Really? Yeah. I did not know that about Frank Zappa. And it's funny, right? I joke about the misogynist like lyrics like Jewish Princess, but he replicates it in Joe's Garage with Catholic yeah. girls, right? Okay. Uh, and and it's um it's playful, right? When yeah. you listen to the music, the background vocals, yeah. la, 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 and all the stuff that <laughs> yeah. backs him up, right? Yeah. It's I think it's 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 a circus. Yeah. But it's great. I never, ever got into him. And I, I don't know why that is. I just... See, your situation was a lot different from mine in the sense that when I was growing up, I didn't have that kind of musical influence or musical pusher as uh, a sibling or like an uncle or anybody else who sure. said, hey, like go through my record collection and kind of, you know, discover yeah. this or I'll, I'll show you this. Um, so I don't know if that's where Frank Zabbat came from for you. Probably did. But... I never really, maybe that's why I never got into him. I never had access. Yeah. I, and it wasn't I, like he was like a huge commercial force. Do you know what I mean? No, like, no. In fact, and when you see interviews of Frank Zappa, yeah. it's I kind of feel bad for the guy because he was always kind of treated as a controversial figure, right? Okay. And I know it irritated him to some degree. Right. Numerous um, interviews where they talk about his political views and his music and his influences. And he was just about the music. Yeah. Um, he was a, he was a very skilled musician, was he not? Yeah. So he was a, he was a great guitar player, wasn't yeah. he? I, I, uh, oh no, yeah, he was the uh, top of his class. Okay. And I mean, his influences in the industry were legendary. Okay. Deep Purple, of course, and uh, oh really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Frank Zappa and the Mothers had the oh, best place. Oh, that's around. right. Smoke yeah. on the water. Yeah. I don't know a lot about him. Seriously, yeah. visit his thirty plus albums and uh, yeah, that many. Eh? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Next is uh-huh. a tune that I am extremely familiar with. It's "Cult of Personality" by Living Color. You are. Yes. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Okay. I'm so listening. when I was a kid, I was I think I was probably seventeen, and I grew up in a small town. And so one of my buddies at the time had a Jeep. And he used to drive around in the Jeep with the top down in the summertime, blasting this tune over and over again. And people probably get so sick of it. But it just had that that really uh, kind of raw guitar sound. And it was like, you know, super up front. I think that was the, the main kind of hook of the song was that, yeah. that riff, right? But it always, you know, for me, that song was about 
the liberty that you're afforded when you're a kid of being stupid. You yeah. can just get away with so much, <laughs> right? Drive around town and blast that. That's the same song. Not yeah. even the rest of the record. Like the same song over and over again. Yep. And people kind of forgave you because it's the stupid kids. When I was a kid, I used to do the same thing. And you're dumb when you're a kid. But, you know, it's funny because you get away with it when you're a kid. So if you and I did that now yeah. <laughs> with our shirts off, driving around Brooklyn <laughs> with cult of personality blasting it. <laughs> yes, you have me. We probably, <laughs> we probably wouldn't be afforded the same liberty. Fuck them. <laughs> right? And why would we be looking for it, right? Exactly. Exactly. We can do what we want. You used to be the mayor of Oshawa, for Christ's sakes. We can do whatever the hell we want. You've got pull in this goddamn region. So that was... Okay, so how old were you then? I was 17, I believe, because this came out... I want to say this came out in... Could have been 88. 88, yeah. I was wow. no older than 18. Okay, so I was a young buck myself. I could be completely wrong about that, but I think it was 88. Okay, so I've got, what, five years on you at least, right? So Yeah, yeah I would have been around 22, 23. That would have made sense. Okay. Yeah. So what's your connection with this tune? Well, again, it's like situational, of course. I don't want to beat that horse to death, but this was vivid, right? The uh, album. Yeah. At the time, I was neither a real fan of heavy metal okay i never have been actually which i completely was yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah that On was the my attraction other to this side of, yeah right the the coin uh nor was i aware of a black band who would have been a heavy metal band and so this was introduced to, this band was introduced to me by a buddy who i was working with at the hospital that i was with at the time and he was a heavy metal fan okay and it was kind of like, dude, you have to listen to this. They listen to heavy metal in the schwa? <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> I would have never believed that. Well, we drink heavy metals in the <laughs> That explains everything. That Now I totally get it. <laughs> so we personify it. Perfect. <laughs> That's yeah. now, now everything is completely aligned. But the song, okay, so I mean, listen, beyond the fact that it was curious to me, right? Because mm -hmm. it was like a heavy metal that I wasn't necessarily ever a big fan of. And the fact that I was, uh, I was aware of the fact that uh, Mick Jagger had actually kind of backed this That's band right. early, right? They opened and for I, the Stones, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So I was curious about them more than anything else, right? But yeah. this song itself was just like, for me, it was brilliant. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it was fantastic. I think there was a bit of an activistic thing there too. It was a it was a politically charged tune. Video I remember was very kind of political, folks on Kennedy, right. you know, all that stuff. Yeah, it was about uh, it was kind of a, a mix between the obsession with uh stardom mm -hmm. and popular culture. Yes. And with heavy political activism, right? Yeah. Exactly. Stalin. Yeah. Gandhi. Yes. Nice guys. Completely. <laughs> Great guys. All right. So your last tune, Johnny, mm. is a Stones tune mm. and a damn fine one. Yeah. I want to say that this tune was written five years before it actually appeared on a record. Really? Yeah. That's an obscure Stones so trivia. So this was, piece. it appeared on Tattoo You. It appeared on Tattoo You for the first time, but I believe it was written around the time of Black and Blue. Oh. And I think it was kind of a leftover from that, from those sessions waiting on a friend. 
This is the curious thing about this song, right? I love it. Uh, me too. I love this song. I really do. I love the video too. Yeah. For this song. It's just easy. It's easy and it's very unstonesy for me. Okay, so because it's it's not you you picture Jagger preening and but this is it's almost like he's kind of opening up yeah. and saying you know what I just want to be your friend Keith I don't want to oppose you anymore yeah it, it's let's just hang out and be buddies because I love you uh-huh. yeah it's I I love the tune I don't know why I mean uh, I love the tune doesn't necessarily represent anything like it's not a stamp of anything in my life yeah for the stones itself i i when i look at the video i thought well this is like they've matured which is yeah. odd i yeah. mean they've been around since the early 60s so that was that was maturity point for them for sure maybe keith richards was finally getting off the smack mm, I th- well what was his high point 72 73 yeah. so yeah maybe who knows with those guys man and how old is he? Like 93? <laughs> <laughs> and he just had a baby probably with like a 23-year-old. Yeah, of course. Mother. Yeah, Of course he did. Unbelievable. <laughs> All right, Johnny. Well, that is uh, the end of your song list. Are there, is there any other tunes you want to talk about? I mean, there was others like, it's funny, eh? when, again, I was revisiting the list before I came over. I put on, uh, first we take Manhattan, then we take Berlin. Jennifer Warren's singing the songs of Leonard Cohen. Really? So, two things. Sure. And I'll mention it only because it's the other song, I guess, that I probably didn't send you that I would have otherwise. Okay. But... Obviously, it's it's relevant in the sense that Leonard Cohen yep. dearly departed. Yes, as is um, Stevie Ray Vaughan, who did yes. the guitar in that song. Oh, Jennifer Warren, really? Which is insane. Like the guitar in that song for me is the most memorable. I did not know that. Yeah. I was just listening to also on that um, same topic, David Bowie, and listening to um, is it Let's Dance? That what, what record was that? Stevie Ray Vaughan, I think. It could have been like it was Let's Dance, Modern Love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, Stevie and China Girl. Uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan played guitar on all oh. on, on all those tracks. Oh, yeah, really. Yeah. Carol Pope and Rough Trade were the opening act for that tour. No. Yeah. Carol Pope, High School Confidential. Yeah. Love it. That's in my book. That song was on my playlist. High School Confidential. Oh yeah. So it confused the hell out of me as a young kid. Well, it was it was jarring, right? It really was. I mean, when you heard those lyrics, and I think I was like 11 or 12, and you're just kind of coming into that very unfamiliar phase of prepubescence, and yeah. and it's like she's talking about creaming your jeans, yes. and, and it's like, man, this is a whole new thing now. <laughs> All right, Johnny. I Let's uh, have a couple more drinks. So this has been No Sleep Till Subway. Thanks for listening. Uh, my special guest, John Belton. I'm Brent Jensen. We will see you next time. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Sudbury, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon worldwide.